Did you know that the average British person spends 84,000 hours at work in their lifetime? May feel longer for you, I don't know. Of which 4,890 are overtime, apparently. To get to work, we travel 94,192 miles in our lifetime. At work, we have apparently 812 workplace arguments. I'm guessing that's an average. <laughs> some may be more, some may be less. Apparently, we prepare for our colleagues in a lifetime 7,967 cups of tea and coffee. And apparently, the average is that we think about quitting our job 16 times a year, apparently. In short, for the average British adult, and you be the judge as to whether you'd call yourself an average British adult, nearly a quarter, 24% of our lives are spent at work. Now, whether that is what we would call paid work in an employed capacity, or whether it's some other aspect, whether it being a parent, whether it being a grandparent, whether it being some particular activity that we are involved with on a regular basis, we spend a huge chunk of our lives doing one or two key things, whether that is school, university, a certain activity, paid employment, family, whatever it is, most of us have a pattern to our everyday lives where we spend a big chunk of those lives. Not the biggest chunk. The biggest chunk, you'll be pleased to know, but many of us feel is not the truth, is sleeping. 44% apparently of our lives is spent asleep. Oh, we wish that were true. But in this series called Everyday You, we are thinking over these six weeks about your life, your everyday world. Not just the church stuff, but the stuff that you go about tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, whatever that is. Everyday You. If you're a soldier, this would be your front line. If you're an athlete, this would be the race. What is it in your everyday world, your everyday life, that you spend a huge chunk of time, energy, resources, and frankly, exhaustion? And have you ever asked yourself, what impact might Jesus have on everyday you? Have you ever asked yourself how he sees your everyday life? Because in church, sometimes it can be easy to focus just on church stuff. But what about when we're scattered throughout the week? Have you ever asked how Jesus sees everyday you? Whatever that is, whether paid, unpaid, whatever it looks like for you. And so every week, we want to interview somebody to just get a little snapshot of their world. And so today, it's great to have Dave Nelson with us. Dave's going to come up. Let's give Dave a, a big round of applause. We want to interview somebody every week. And then on one of the weeks, we're going to have a particular panel where we'll see three different people uh, and telling us a little bit of stories. But we thought it'd be great to interview Dave today. So Dave, why don't you just tell us a large chunk of your week is spent at work. Tell us what that is. What does that involve? Okay. Um, so I work at Mondelez International. They're the people that own Cadbury, they own Toblerone, 
Trident, Milka, Oreos, Nabisco. <laughs> uh, so it's a, it's a good place to work. We've got employees in nine, uh, 82 countries. There's about 90,000 of us. And um, the particular thing I do is in the human resources department. So human resources, in a nutshell, will find and develop the people that the company needs to be successful. And we try and help define a, a culture in which people can also be successful. And the human resources department helps to develop that. And I'm based in the UK, but I happen to support all countries. And the particular thing that I do is try and work out how we can use technology to be more efficient and effective as we find and develop and pay and do all the other things we need to do for our people. Okay. So Dave, you're a Christian. You follow Jesus. What difference would you say that makes then on that everyday life that you're involved with? One of the things that um, I say to people when they say what's important to you what's like your, your like your motto or your mantra sometimes have been asked that at work and what I say to them is whatever your hand finds to do do it with all your heart and that comes mm. from the bible where in the bible it says because it's the lord you're serving so that's my life motto it kind of sits well with my personality which is yeah. probably why I picked it yeah. but um, I'm there to do a great job um, but I'm also there to do a great job in, in a way that displays integrity and honesty and fairness and in a way that displays the love and care of God for the people around me. And I was thinking, you know, what am I good at at work? And one of the things I'm good at is developing trusting, caring relationships. Okay. It's great being in this central world where I've got friends basically all around the world. And I find that it's really easy for me to develop these kind of trusting relationships and then I was thinking well why is that and I thought ah, it's actually not that surprising because as a Christian I know that the love of God has been poured into my heart through the Holy Spirit and therefore of course I'm finding it easy to connect with people that I interact with so for me I view my colleagues really as an extended family a bit like I view you guys as my extended family I do have the same attitude towards these people wonderful people around the world that I work with and I think that is, I think that comes across in my relationships with them. Brilliant. And as we grow as Christians, one of the things we grow in our understanding of is that the more and more how interested God is in our everyday lives. And have you ever thought what God thinks of your work? <laughs> so, um, I love my job. I think I'm in a niche which suits my abilities and my interests really well. Um, and, you know, that, that's a great thing. A couple of weeks ago when we were uh, listening to one of the talks in church, a, a passage that came up was, um, it was from Isaiah 61, I think it is, where it talks about the spirit of the Lord being upon Jesus because mm -hmm. he's appointed him to, you know, speak good news anyway it went on to say that they or we might be given beauty for ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning mm. the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness uh, that we might be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the lord that he might be glorified mm. and i was kind of sat somewhere back about where dave because is sat and i thought whoa oaks of righteousness that applies to me in my workplace mm. i don't think the talk was about workplace mm. but I, uh, it just resonated with me so strongly just i thought i think god's trying to point out something here 
And if you think about a, an oak tree, it's, you know, it's solid, it's well established, it's got deep roots, you're not going to knock it over easily. And I thought, that's me in my workplace. I've been there since 2001. Mm. I've got this whole network of people that I work with. And, and I've been placed there, I think, by God to represent him okay. in the best way that I can. So I don't think he cares whether the sales team in Brazil follows the same HR or recruitment <laughs> process as the sales team in America, which is what I might spend my, you know, an hour or two of my week trying to work out. I don't think he cares about chocolate recipes because I think we've got the abilities and the gifts to sort that out for ourselves. But I do think he cares about people and he cares that I'm there to represent him in the best way that I can. Brilliant. So that's what I think yeah. he thinks about my that's work. That's so helpful, Dave. Final question, therefore. If we were to ask what your one prayer for your work is, what would you say? So I can be um, very head down at work. I get to work and I just want to work. I don't want a coffee break. I don't want to go to the gym. I just want to work. And um, so I think my, my prayer would be that I would be increasingly sensitive to these great people around me when they want to talk about something that's more personal to them or, mm. or deeper, that I'd have the eyes to, to kind of see and the ears to hear their kind of cues. Uh, and also the courage, I think, at that point, not just to you know, say a few words and walk on, but to really try and help share with them or to help them by sharing with them what I know about God. So I'm good at putting my head down. I'm not quite so good at the kind of expanding on that. Brilliant, brilliant. Should we pray for Dave? Let's pray for Dave as he stood here. Father, we thank you so much that as Dave has shared, for those who follow you, Lord Jesus, they're oaks of righteousness and have a role uh, in building your kingdom. We pray for Dave in his workplace and for others for whom they resonate with what he's said and in a similar situation. Lord, we pray that you'd enable him to continue to shine brightly for you. Shining like a star, Lord. And we pray that even this week, he might have opportunities to just be a blessing to those around him. So encourage him, encourage others in a similar situation, we pray, to be able to see around and see what you're doing in and through him. So bless him and all others like him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dave, thank you very much. Why don't we give him a round of applause? That's brilliant. And as we said, throughout the series, we want to interview different people who are in different situations. Uh, and as Nate has already said, we've produced these guides, which have got questions for you to explore on your own or in home group, life groups or in community groups or wherever it is to take one of those. Uh, if you want to give a donation, that's fine. But feel free to just take one if you don't want to. No problems at all. But in that passage that was read to us earlier, I think there's two things that leap out at us. To, that change how we see our everyday worlds, whether it be in a workplace like Dave or some other situation. And the first aspect is this, that we can clearly see God's presence with us in our everyday world. You may or may not know that this particular passage that was read to us it is basically Jacob is on the run for his life. He's basically just done something awful where he has tricked his dad into giving his inheritance, his older brother's inheritance to him. And so his older brother is now after Jacob to try and kill him. Jacob is on the run literally for his life. And as he's on the run, he stops 
and rests overnight and has a dream. And he has a dream about a staircase. Strange dream. But this staircase is different because elsewhere in the Bible, there are attempts for humans to get to God. You may remember the Tower of Babel where humans spent all their time trying to build a structure to get to God. But in this dream, there is a staircase in which God comes and is with humans. This is heaven touching earth. Earth not left on its own, God distant, God comes to us. And he says these words to Jacob in his dream. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. Do you notice that? I am with you. I will watch over you. I will bring you. I will not leave you. This is God stepping in, being committed to his people, his presence with them in the normality of life, even if it is just asleep in the middle of the countryside. No wonder Jacob says these words. Surely the Lord's in this place and I wasn't aware of it. We begin to discover the extraordinary in the ordinary. That God is right there in the middle of the ordinary, whether it is considering the HR practices of your team in Brazil, whether it is changing a nappy, whether it is looking after the grandkids, whether it is just in that meeting that you wish you weren't in. Surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't aware of it. So what might it mean for us for that to be true tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock? For us to be able to say this, surely the Lord's in this place and I wasn't previously aware of it. How might we see things differently? Let me give you a personal example, personal illustration. Forgive the personal thing for a moment. A few years ago, uh, when our boys were young, we had a place that we went to quite regularly. Uh, And this place, the patron was the Countess of Wessex, Prince Edward's wife, Sophie. Uh, And we'd been to this place hundreds and hundreds of times. But on this particular case, it was different because she came to visit Here it is, here's a photo. This is us with younger me and younger family. There she is, best buddies now, of course. (laughs) But what was interesting to me is this was a place I'd been to countless times before, but because she was coming, or I knew she was going to be there, everything changed. I changed how I dressed, I changed how I behaved, I even changed how I ate cake. Because when you're in the midst of royalty, you want to do it right. And I remember she came over and I'd got crumbs over me and you quickly go like this. May I ask you a question? What might it look like for you to realize the Lord is in your workplace, in your everyday life this week? To see it differently. It may not mean you dress differently. It may not mean you eat cake or make a cup of coffee differently. But what might it look like to say the Lord is here? And I wasn't previously aware of it. A few years ago, I read a novel uh, called uh, A Sense of Direction. 
which is basically a sort of travelogue about two mates who go traveling around the world. And right at the beginning, there is a quote that says why they went traveling. Here it is. Tom and I held in common the hope that there might be a geographic ticket out of the problems of indecision, boredom, and the suspicion that more interesting things were happening in more fashionable places to more attractive people. What he's simply saying is what some of us feel all the time, that my normal everyday world should be more exciting, more special. I should see the grandeur in it. And maybe if I was just able to escape it, whether that be geographically to go somewhere else or whether it might be some sort of thing really pepped up a little bit to really make it go for it. And of course, this book is all about the discovery that actually maybe, just maybe, as we go looking for the thing, we forget that we're not going to find it there. Maybe we realize that surely the Lord is in this place the extraordinary in the ordinary. And maybe for some of us today, we just need to hear that. That our everyday world, frankly, is just boring, mundane, and humdrum. This wasn't what we signed up for. We were hoping to change the world. And maybe today, God wants to say, I'm there with you in it. God's presence where you are. But not only that, what was great to hear as Dave was sharing, not only do we sense God's presence with us, but something more than that, that he has purpose for us in our everyday world. Not only do we find him there where we are at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, but also maybe we can see how he sees what we're doing at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. There's this brilliant story in the book of Kings in the Old Testament where we get a glimpse, uh, the city is under siege, and then basically we get a glimpse suddenly of what God sees. And we read these verses. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. They thought all they could see was the enemy armies, but then God gave them eyes to see the reality of their everyday situation, that there was chariots all around of fire. And I love that little perspective that maybe, just maybe, some of us today can find God beginning to see through his eyes at our everyday lives. This is what Jacob sees, doesn't it? He had a dream in which he saw a stairway with its top reaching to heaven and the angels were ascending and descending, messengers of God. What's clear, regardless of the dream, is that God's there doing something. That's what angels means. It means messengers. And what is it that God's doing for Jacob and in Jacob? Well, this. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You'll spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. God's doing what he's always been doing through his people. Blessing the world. And so isn't it brilliant to hear Dave say, what's he doing at work? He's trying to view them as a family so he can love them and support them and care for them. And maybe in the process, trying to point them to the one who really loves them and really cares for them, being a blessing. 
That word blessing, you can translate it as flourishing or thriving. What that simply means is your job in your everyday world, yes, it might be to look after the HR policy in America, but more than that, you're called to be a blessing to the world. Whether that be with a child as you change that nappy, whether that be as with somebody that you're educating, whether that be with a colleague at university, whether that be with somebody that you're just trying to look after, whether that be somebody you're caring for, you are being a blessing called by God to bless the world. You're joining in his purposes. Some of us, it's quite obvious to see how you can do that. I know there's people here who are changing the very structures of our city. Some of you in your workplaces are deliberately trying to do things in a different way to build a healthier culture. Some of you in your family environment are stepping into difficult situations because you know they're going to go really tricky unless you intervene. All of which is carrying out God's plan, God's purposes. But I want to suggest as we come to a close, this is massively encouraging because all of us can see that surely the Lord is in this place. Whatever this place is for you. And I wasn't aware of it. Do you notice the context of all this? The context is massive hardship. Jacob is running for his life. You might wish that your every day was very different. It may be awful at the moment. That doesn't mean that you can't say, surely the Lord is in this place. He might have something right now for you. Something else, though, what happens is he just sees things differently. Nothing materially changes. The meetings still have to be gone to. The nappies still need to be changed. The person still needs to be looked after, whatever it might be. But he sees it now with God's eyes. But there's something else as we come to a close. I don't know if you've seen on social media this hashtag, I'm staying. This is kind of uh, in South Africa at the moment. Basically, there's this kind of groundswell of social media kind of sweep about because there's a whole generation who apparently are leaving South Africa for kind of apparently better things in the world where they can chase their dreams and more money and all that sort of stuff. And there's been a groundswell over the last few months with this hashtag, I'm staying. I love this country and therefore I'm staying. Committed to it, come what may. And I wonder if for some of us, and here I'm talking particularly, I think, to some of us who might think of ourselves as younger. You be the judge of whether it's true or not. Because <laughs> I think there's a temptation in today's world to always be moving on from one thing to the next, to try and find that thing, that place where you feel fulfilled. And maybe, just maybe, if we're always doing that, we miss the reality that the Lord is in this place right now. With a calling for you right now. I grew up in a church context where there was always a big call to go on and be a missionary, to go to the ends of the earth. Yes, yes, yes. But I wonder if a call for many of us, particularly in younger generations, is to stay. Stay is the new go. And I think particularly in cities, for many of us, we're constantly looking for what is next, longing, wishing, and maybe we're forgetting that right now the Lord is in this place with you.
But how do we know all this? This is just one guy's dream. <laughs> he could have just had too much cheese. It's basing a lot on one man's dream, isn't it, Tim? But of course, the whole testimony of the Bible is this, that God is with us and God has purposes in it. Because, of course, this points to a day where we see on the cross God stepping in, coming to our world to bring blessing to the whole world. Surely the Lord is in that place. And I wasn't even aware of it. And so therefore, friends, whether your everyday life is what you always dreamed it would be, which I'm guessing for many of us, we would say, no. Surely the Lord is there with you right now. And maybe tomorrow at 11 o'clock, as your alarm goes off to pray for those people, you might also remember, God, you're here with me. And may I be able to be a blessing to these colleagues, to these people that I'm with, whatever that looks like.